This talk was given by Vanessa Zuise Goddard Sensei. Zuise Sensei is a lay teacher in the Mountains and Rivers Order. This talk, like all of her talks, is offered free of charge. If you'd like to make a donation to find out more about her teachings or to join her mailing list, please visit her website at vanessazuisegoddard.org. Thanks for listening. In the last few weeks, there's been a, a video going around on the web <clears throat> of um, a father and a daughter who are standing in front of a mirror together and repeating a kind of um, pep talk. And he first says a phrase, and then she repeats it. I am strong. I am smart. I work hard. I am beautiful. I am respectful. I am not better than anyone. No one is better than me. I am amazing, and I am great. <clears throat> and, you know, 14 million people have watched this video, and she's two years old, so it's cute. But I think it's more than that. I would call it a kind of uh, invocation. Because after they, they say this, he asks her, what is your name? And she says, Aliyah Alston, what are you? I am blessed. And, you know, I call it an invocation because it's not just um, positive thinking. It's not just, you know, something that you say to yourself as you begin your day to feel better about yourself. to to build your self-esteem, which he is helping her to do. But I think of invocation as, as, you know, as our liturgy, as words that shape, that create uh, reality, words that transform you from the inside. Between heaven and earth, I alone am the honored one. I alone am fully, wholly blessed. And you know, my name, Suisse, means uh, blessed or auspicious vow. And I often say, or suspicious vow, depending <laughs> on who you ask. And uh, when Daido Roshi gave me this name, <clears throat> Miyotai Sensei said to me, oh, he wants your hair. And he got it, eventually. Um, and you know, although the form of my vow uh, changed, the vow itself and my commitment uh, to it hasn't changed. And when he first gave me the name, I, I really resisted it. I liked the name itself. I thought it was cool that it was a name with a Z. I wanted a Z name, actually. <laughs> and I, I didn't say that to him. And I, <laughs> it worked out that way. So I liked the name, and I certainly liked what, what it meant. But um, I didn't like the Japanese-ness. It just felt kind of contrived or something, and uh, I just, I didn't use it for a while. I still introduced myself as Vanessa. He never said anything until, uh, I told some of you the story, until one day a um, young man who had been a monk in Japan for a number of years uh, came into residency. He was doing a year of residency, and he's American, but he had a a Buddhist name, and that's how he introduced himself. And one day I was downstairs and I noticed there was a package for him from like L.L. Bean or something. 
and it had his Buddhist name on it. And something happened. It just really touched me. I realized, oh, this is who he is. This is how he sees himself. And from that moment, I began, began using my name. Although when I order something online, I still use Vanessa. <laughs> and I, I feel that I had to come into my own name. I had to come into my beingness. And then afterwards, sometime later, I thought, oh, you know, that is just saying it as it is. You know, I am blessed. Every day I am blessed. And I was <clears throat> just reflecting on the fact that we're here, sisters in the Dharma, practicing and realizing ourselves together, and practicing for a short time apart you know, from our brothers. As Hojinosho mentioned yesterday, their, their support of us. And we are doing this so we can see our blessedness as, as, as it is, you know, naked and true. Not what is reflected in their eyes. Not the many ways that they see us or don't see us, the ways they want to see us, but what we see with our own eyes, what we feel and know in our own mind and heart, so I was saying last night. So it is necessary on occasion to be apart so we can truly come together. Not over and under, not better, not less. Together. Different, but equal. Multiple, yet unified. And watching this short video, I was thinking, you know, what a wonderful thing this father is doing for his daughter. Doing it early so she learns to do it for herself, because she'll have to. Because she lives as we do in a world that often highlights, reflects to us the opposite of our greatness. And not just us women, all of us. But we do hear, as women, we hear a particular message, and so often we believe it. So often we don't believe we are beautiful unless we fit in, within a, an extremely narrow range. How, how often, you know, and if we do believe, how often that belief gets, gets punctured, you know, those, those moments short or long, of, of insecurity, of self-doubt, of looking elsewhere, outside. You know, am I okay? Is this okay? Will it be enough? Am I enough? Will they like me? And it's, I think, in those moments we, we, we realize how precarious it is, this human form, but definitely this female form, definitely. And I had this, uh, some, something very uh, brief but poignant um, happened, and it happened last year. And I was struck that it happened again and that it happened immediately. As the men left the dining hall, and, you know, and I just looked around, and all the women were kind of we were having dinner and were milling about, and I was hearing the voices. What I immediately felt was, oh, it was almost um, 
well, yes, a kind of relief, a kind of letting go. And I told this to Shugen Sensei. Uh, we were talking about something else. And he said, what do you think that is? And, he's, and I said to him, you know, it struck me because I remember it from last year. And, and it struck me how immediately I felt it. And he said, what do you think that is? And I said, I think it's just a, a dropping into a, a, another level of feeling safe. And I don't feel, in general, uh, unsafe here. And yet, there was, I had, you know, when I reflected, there was this moment, this very strong feeling in my body, and then as the next instant in which I reflected on it, and I felt, I don't have to hold myself. I don't have to um, be anything other than me. And he said, oh, that's wonderful, and it sucks. He says, because, and actually his face kind of fell, actually, because he said, you know, if you feel that, you're probably not the only one. And I said, yeah. So I have my own version of um, a daily pep talk, and it's something that I've developed over time, my own invocation. And it's adapted from the Lorica of St. Patrick, a, um, a Christian prayer of protection. <clears throat> and Lorica means breastplate. And it is said that St. Patrick sang this Gaelic song uh, when uh, Loger, king of Tara, was um, ambushed him, uh, St. Patrick and his monks, because he was coming to Ireland to um, bring Christianity. And as he was ambushed, uh, ambushed, St. Patrick sang, and, and the story goes that then he appeared to the king as a doe and 20 fawns. He was no longer a man. And so they were saved. And so sometimes the, the prayer is also called the deer's cry. And as I said, I've, I've adapted it for my own use and actually adapted it a little further for this talk. And, you know, sometimes uh, people ask me, you know, can you do that? Can you just change a prayer, a chant, a piece of liturgy? Well, I do it all the time, so clearly you can <laughs> in some level. Um, but, you know, this is for me. This is for the privacy of my own being. And liturgy, it, it needs to be close. And there is bringing yourself to it, certainly. That's a big part of our practice, is bringing ourselves to the liturgy, as Shugen Sensei often says, so that at, at a certain point, the words of the Heart Sutra, for example, are my words. There is such a practice. And very much, I feel, there is uh, creating, creating your own words, your own liturgy, so that it's personal and it's alive. So if it helps you, it helps you to remember who you are by all means by all means do it <clears throat> I arise today through a mighty strength the invocation of you great mother creator of all creation blessed be your name what mighty strength is causing you each one of us to arise today and every day what miraculous power is responsible for our birth, our existence? 
and further, you know, allowing us to be here now, in this time and place, with this opportunity. You know, we weren't born to Syrian parents, so our, our homes aren't being bombed right now. We weren't sold into prostitution by our brother at the age of five. We don't have to walk two hours each way to <clears throat> gather water. We're not birthing babies every year because we're not allowed to use contraception. 7.5 billion lives, and this is the one that you've been gifted. And I think of this when I'm struggling in some way, which is often enough, mind you. I was thinking about that recently. You know, I I don't always show it, but I can fight. I can fight. And now I've learned, you know, to appreciate that it's part of my um, grappling uh, and it's part of what helps me. I mean, I really, sometimes I really tire myself. I wish I didn't have to go through that. But um, it's part of what both drives me, you know, to clarify, but also mobilizes me. It, it encourages me to look for a different way. But I remind myself of this incredible life that I have, that I've somehow um, been given, and that my struggle compared to other struggles is really very, very, very small. So it is a mighty strength, I think, that has made us female, that has made this our time and, and place, and so we are blessed. And now this, this great mother, Prajna Paramita, as you know, is the womb, the source of all Buddhas. And we have the unique power to give life, to bring into existence another life, another human being. But are we aware of the many, many other ways in which we can bring life, in which we can create, and are we using them? Why are we afraid of our power? And do you wonder about this? I wonder about this. Because we can be silenced, we can be ignored, we can be hurt. But is this why we don't speak? Or is it we're afraid to make waves? We're afraid to not be liked? But would you rather be liked or would you rather be alive? Fully alive? Would you not rather stand on your own ground? I rise today through the strength of heaven light of the sun, splendor of fire, speed of lightning, swiftness of the wind, depth of the sea, stability of the earth, and firmness of the rock. Probably as long as human beings have been alive, we have gone to the mountains and the rivers, the oceans and the deserts, to remember to remember that we are rock and sky and wind and fire and light. You know, confined within walls, facing, you know, screen after screen, it's easy to forget that we are earth and that earth is us. When our hands don't touch the soil and what comes of it, 
it's easy. It's easy to feel disconnected, ungrounded. And we do. So often that is how we feel. And you know, I'm not saying nature, being in nature is always paradise. Um, it can be hard. It can be very raw and hard. I, a few weeks ago I did a hermitage, and it was during that very strong windstorm. And at one point I was sitting, and I had changed the, the, the angle of how I was sitting. And so I, I was sitting in relationship to the window in a particular way that the wind was, I mean, I felt it in every cell in my body. And it was more than that. Actually, at one point I felt as if I had been uh, thrown into a dryer. And, you know, it was both a tumbling, you know, like when you put a pair of, of running shoes in it and just feel it, boom, 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 boom. And at the same time, this constant, both were happening. And I'm sitting there, and at one point, I, I just wanted to scream. I actually got up and, you know, kind of closed the window and, and, and shifted. Eventually, I shifted my seat. But um, this, this feeling that it was permeating me, the wind, I understood, you know, these stories of these winds that can drive you mad, there's, there's a wind, a Mediterranean wind, a Sirocco, that blows in from the Sahara into um, uh, southern Europe. And I, I read that um, during the Ottoman Empire, when the wind blo- was blowing, if somebody committed a murder, they would reduce the sentence because they felt, well, they weren't in the right mind. And so, uh, you know, being in the midst of the elements is, is, not, that, uh, is not that it's going to be easy, but I knew that I was alive. I knew I did not feel disconnected, distant in any way. How can we feel our strength when we don't walk on the earth? Feel, feel in fact, its stability and its firmness. And its um, yielding nature. You know, concrete doesn't yield. It cracks. Earth yields and moves and settles you know, as it needs to. And we are made of this earth. We can yield and bend and move as we need to. How do we feel our our depth, our wisdom, which is like the oceans, when we hardly ever have time nowadays to just, just skim the surface of what's our increasingly digital lives. And yet this strength, this firmness, and this depth are in us. And I think, I mean, we know that. We know that even for, for microseconds, when we can be, feel at home in these bodies, when we accept and, dare I say, love who we are, and we don't have to love everything about us. We just need to have an entry point, a, a, the tiniest little crack for the light to get in, as Leonard Cohen would say. In Vajrayana Buddhism, there are five female Buddhas, or prajnas, associated with the five elements. Lokana is wind and mirror-like wisdom. And she embodies clear seeing. 
Mamaki is earth and is the wisdom of equality, the wisdom of, of, of unity, of seeing the oneness, and actually the, the life force. Parandavasini is fire and discriminating wisdom, and she sees multiplicity, uniqueness, difference. Tara is air and all-accomplishing wisdom, and she embodies the aspiration and compassion that arises out of uh, bodhicitta, the raising of the body-mind. And Akasada Teshvari is a space and wisdom of the Dharmadhatu, the realm of truth, the realm of suchness, and she encompasses all the other four. <clears throat> and so really this great mother is five, a thousand great mothers, a million, four billion female Buddhas that are walking this earth knowing or not knowing, depending on their karma, that they are Buddhas, manifesting according to their power, to the power of their penetrating insight, anywhere within that range of vision. And that is why practice is always. That is why there's no limit to it. That's why you don't graduate. I arise today through your strength to uphold me your wisdom to guide me, your eyes to look before me, your ears to hear me, your words to speak for me, your hand to guard me, your way to lie before me, your shield to protect me from pride, envy, hatred, and ill will, and from all those who desire me ill, afar and near, alone and in a multitude." And by coincidence, I found in um, the Visuddhimagga, Buddhaghosa, speaking about these near and far enemies. It was a different context, obviously, but the near enemy is greed and the far enemy is ill will. But by this great mother's strength, I am sustained. By her wisdom, we are guided. We see, we hear, we speak goodness, loving-kindness. And her wisdom is our protection from everything that would get in our way, from negative, harmful thoughts of others, but perhaps most importantly, ours. We can be ferocious, not necessarily in a good way, you know, either competing with one another or just beating ourselves up. And this shield is an invocation, a protection from that habit. You know, if we all knew we don't fail ever to cover the ground upon which we stand, we wouldn't need to stand in front of a mirror and remind ourselves we are perfect, we are beautiful. We are loved. We would just be ourselves. And that would be enough. It would be more than enough. A woman 
comes out of surgery, and she's, it's the first few moments after she's woken up from anesthesia, and she's lying in, in bed, and her wife is sitting on the bed next to her and is just holding her hand. And um, the woman who's in bed has just had a tumor removed from her cheek, but uh, the nerve in her cheek had to be cut, and so her her mouth is the corner of her mouth is tilted down. And the the surgeon is there in the room, and he's uh, she is watching the two the two women, and is thinking to herself, you know, who who are they? Who are these women that are so um, loving, that are touching each other so so lovingly and so generously? You know, they're, they're clearly very close. And the woman who's, who's lying in the bed just, just touches, you know, her, her lips and, and feels its shape. And she turns to the surgeon and says, is this how my mouth going to be? Is this how it's going to be? And the surgeon says, yes, because we had to cut the nerve. And the woman just gets quiet, nods and gets quiet. And her wife says to her, I like it. I think it's kind of cute. And the doctor thinks to herself, oh, this is who this woman is. And she lowers her eyes because she says, you, you do not act boldly in the presence of a goddess. And she's very close. And so she can see as the wife uh, leans forward uh, to kiss the woman in, in the bed and sees how she adjusts her lips to fit the lips of her partner to tell her that their kiss still works. And so because we're told so often, or we believe, or we think we know, that we do fail to cover the ground, we need not only every possible reminder that we can conjure up, but that, and that we can give each other, but also that ever deepening realization of what is unalterable perfection. We may be cut down, turned away from, and this turning away does not diminish our blessedness. If we could understand that, we wouldn't need to understand anything else. No one can diminish your or my blessedness. Let me say that again. No one can diminish your blessedness. You alone are the honored one. I alone am the honored one. And yet it's possible to forget. So we should take every opportunity to remind ourselves as often as we need to. I am not broken. I am not wrong. I am not mistaken. I am not small. I am not better. I am certainly not less. I am not too emotional. I'm not confused. I'm not just hormonal. I'm not too masculine. I'm not too feminine. I'm not clingy. I'm not overbearing. I'm not too demanding. I'm not too aggressive. I'm not too soft. I'm not eye candy. I'm not a prop. I do not ask for too much when I ask you to just see 
me fully and respect me. I am not an imposter. So when you praise me, it is because I deserve it. This is not some, some cover-up, some, some act that somebody's about to find out. I know my strength, and no one can take it away from me. Being myself, that is everything. That is everything. I summon today all these powers between me and delusion, that I may save all beings without fail. And of course, this includes me. It has to start with me. I summon today all of my power. I will not be afraid to speak. I will not be afraid to act. I will not hesitate to take space and to use it when the need is large. And when the need is small, I will not overlook it. I will serve you. I will meet you. I will follow you when the current flows rightly. I will lead you when you're not certain where to step. And I will work hard to see clearly because delusion is not knowing my ground and that I'm standing on it. Delusion is tramping on someone else's ground. It's like putting a hood over their head where, where all around them there is light. And therefore I say unto you, light with me, light before me, light behind me, and light in me, light beneath me, light above me, light to my right, light to my left, light when I lie down, light when I sit, light when I stand, light in the hearts of all those who think of me, light in the mouths of those who speak of me, light in all the eyes that see me, light in all the ears that hear me. And this is the better known uh, section of the Lorica. And the original has the word Christ. But actually the version that I first came across uh, was used light. And I've always liked the image of light, but I, I like it in this context because in a tradition wholly based on enlightenment, this is a protection. This is the breastplate. And it's also a state of the union, if you will. I give rise to this light in and around me, but that's only because it has always been there. It's there when I sit, it's there when I walk, it's there when I eat. Is there when we argue? Is there when we make peace? Is there in what I do, especially what is good, and what I say, and it is not mine, and I don't command it? It's there when I speak truth to myself and to everyone else. Is there when I don't know what to say? And if I'm patient, it'll guide me. Before me, it's illuminated. Behind me, it's illuminated. The ten directions, all of space and time, 
this, are all illuminated. That is why we cannot fail to cover the ground, even when we think we're failing most miserably. We're still standing on our own two feet. And if we're not standing, let's say you're lying on the ground, crumpled up, it's still your body on that ground. It's still our bodies being that ground, always. That is the realization of the indestructible dharma, which doesn't change with the weather. So it doesn't change with my state of mind. Although it will affect, of course, how available that is to me. So, I mean, I can stand in front of the mirror and say, I am bright and luminous and and clear, and it will be true. I can stand in front of the mirror and say, you know, this is a shitty day. I feel awful, I'm confused and unlovable. And the bright, clear luminosity will be covered up, but it will still be there. And it's forgetting this that gets us into trouble. It's in those moments in which we don't believe and we can't see and don't feel this luminosity. It's in those moments where everything feels dark. There is no absolute darkness. Just as there is no absolute light. Those days you know, when we believe our stories are old, old stories, painful stories, but there's something comforting about them because they're familiar. And I've told this, this story before. But there's a, um, a blind man <clears throat> sitting in a busy plaza and begging. And so there's, there's a cup next to him and there's a handwritten sign that says... Um, I need, you know, please give alms for food or something like that. And people just keep walking by, walking by, walking by, without even looking at him. And then a a, a young man suddenly passes by, and he stops, and he looks at the old man sitting on the ground, and he looks at his sign, and he uh, kind of comes down on his haunches, and he says, do you mind if if I change your sign? I think you just need a little help. And the guy says, sure, that's fine. So he writes something on the sign, and he puts it next to the blind man. And then all of a sudden, every time somebody comes by, they stop, and someone throws a few coins. And then another person comes by, a woman with her child, and the child stops first, you know, tugs at the woman's hand. And then the woman stops, looks at the sign, throws a few bills. And this keeps happening, and the the whole morning, until at a certain point, the, the... the old man who has his hat is what's taking the money. It's, it's overflowing. I mean, the money is everywhere. And the young man comes back towards the end of the day, and the blind man recognizes him by his tread. And so he, he grabs his pants and he says, wait a second, I just want to ask you, what, what did you do? Look at what's happened. What did you do? What did you put on that sign? And the man says, today is a beautiful day, and I cannot see it. Today I am perfect. I am magnificent. And I cannot see it. 
And every single one of us has those moments. That is why, that is why turning to yourself. And sometimes silence is enough. Sometimes silence is the medicine. But sometimes words like these are what is uh, needed. And these are just words, of course. But they're true words. They just need to be true for you. So that when others speak of you, think of you, what they think and speak of is that light. That is what they'll see. That is what they'll hear. If you let it permeate everything. That is why we summon our strength. And we do so over and over again, like Ali Alston, until the day when we don't have to. When, when that is who we are. I arise today through a mighty strength, the invocation of you, Great Mother, creator of all creation, blessed be your name. This is probably superfluous, but you know, this great mother is you, is me. And so let me ask you this. What would you do? Who would you be if you didn't hold back? For more talks, to get information about Zuise Sensei's upcoming teachings, or to join her email list, please visit vanessazuisegoddard.org.